Hello, hello. Welcome to the Character Arc Podcast, where each week we talk about a movie we just watched. We're going to talk about the things that we liked, what we didn't like, what we would change, and try to focus in on some of the characters. My name is Ted. And I'm Richard. Today we watched... What what's that? New? What, what's the deodorant? Old Spice. Old Spice. <laughs> and Right Guard. And Right Guard. There we go. <laughs> the Old Spice Red Guard. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group of soldiers. Fighters like you. With an extremely rare skill set. What do you mean? Mother? Let's just say we're very hard to kill. How did you feel about the movie? I actually, by and large kind of like the movie. I thought it was pretty good. I really liked the characters. I really liked the acting. I liked the way that it looked. I, however, take some major issues with the plot itself at oh, times. Oh, same. Same. So it's actually... And it's not like I, I don't think that the plot is bad. I actually think that it's serviceable for a silly action movie, but I think this movie's so much better than that in other situations that I wish the whole thing were better than that in all situations. I couldn't have said it better myself. I feel the same way. I was going to say I had a bit more of a tepid response, but then I just remembered some other movies that kind of, they're not as good. Um, yeah, the action was great, but I would almost argue that some of the action was kind of not needed. Uh, I mean, it was fun. Oh, we'll I get might, into that. I might normally agree with you, but there's not that much. Like there is, there's action appropriately, like in each third of the film, right? <laughs> but there's not much more than that. Like it's not. We're not talking about a Fast and the Furious movie. Like it's actually pretty restrained, right? Um, that's not what I'm. You'll see where I'm going with this. But first, what is this movie about, Mister Richard? Um, a group of Highlanders. Highlanders. <laughs> But uh, there isn't only. There can't just only be one. There could be four. Things. There can be a. There can be five. Wait, there can be five. Yeah, five. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently, people could be immortal, but a very, very small number of them. Um, one of them, who is the oldest in this group, kind of wrangled the ones together, and they, they try to do good in the world. They try to like solve problems that I guess military forces can't, but they will solve it also with violence. But I. Don't know why they need to, and like the CIA can't do it itself. It's very that part's unclear. See, this is the part that <laughs> obviously bothers me. This is my point, um, and I guess I'm just gonna jump into yeah, it. I fine. mean, are we good with the, the yeah. synopsis? Yeah, I mean, just going real, yeah, just going real, real quick through it. Um, they find each other because they know when another one's been born because they have dreams of each other, like particularly not born, but when they find out they're immortal, and so they go and find a new recruit, and then these five people together, uh, they actually the hero is our leading lady um kind of andy is going to then disband the group but first they realize that they've been betrayed and so they try to tie up that loose end but that betrayal is to more or less capture them sell them to a pharma executive so that their internal organs and blood (laughs) can be harvested for a cure of all diseases for all humankind or just something that they should probably volunteer to help with particularly if they're fed up with not being able to help the world and someone presents them with a way that they could help the world. Anyway, the two of them were captured. So the idea is if you're going to be an immortal or if you realize that you're an immortal and you live these all through all these events, clearly in her cave of wonders, she's amassed all of these like priceless arts and artifacts, right? 
did she or was it just the one statue <laughs> she had paintings <laughs> <laughs> Her cave where she keeps her shit is. It's really just a yeah. (laughs) Um, But my point is like you would think if you were to try to do more good without having to resort to violence. But it seems like you know being a comic, we have to resort to violence. Mm -hmm. My my point is, if you're an immortal, you would have thought of a more effective way without you going into like there are things that you could do that are more. No, I'm not saying like authoritarian. I'm just saying that there are more things where if you make things more available to people. I can see that. I can see, I can come at that from two different things. I don't think, I think you're right. I think that that's where we kind of talk about Andy Andromache of Sathia or whatever the fuck her full name is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Charlie Theron's character. Andy clearly has lived longer than anyone. Right. She's the most burnt out on what they do. That's kind of established through the opening scene where she said that she, she didn't say this, like the movie's actually really good about bringing out their character and the interactions between her and the other three guys, uh, which is that you just kind of get that she, they hadn't met for a while because she needed to take a break. Um, she kind of offhandedly mentions that, you know, they're not really achieving anything in the world. Through that kind of osmosis, you know that her goal is to help make the world a better place. Right. So I can see where she wouldn't want to amass... Th- you, you're you right. Being immortal would help you like sort of manipulate the system in a way, even in a nonviolent form. The movie doesn't really take us there, but I can see her character the way that she's shown, not wanting to be the leader of things because it auto- it always leads to corruption and or maybe it's too tedious for an immortal... <laughs> Although she's got the time, she's yeah. <laughs> Hold on, and I I would argue that they always call her the leader. Like she's she's quote unquote noble to like, right? A, a comic booky degree, mm-hmm. which I can then see a character like that not wanting to lead a nation or a one world government because of all. Oh, the corruption I'm not even that suggesting that, that. Yeah, sorry, I that's am, what I meant by <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant by non authoritarian. Nism. But you can see how like governments kind of always lean in that direction. I, as, as someone who has seen empires rise and fall, seen the first republic of Rome eventually turn into a terrible dictatorship, you know, that that kind of thing, like constantly right. seeing that. I can see, no, the movie doesn't really explore that, which is kind of where I think the plot's not bad. The plot, the right. screenwriting's really good, actually. The individual scenes in the screenwriting is really good oh, and they're sure. performed really mm-hmm. well. I think the plot just focuses on the wrong things. I think so too. Because these characters are very interesting. That's actually another aspect that I want to discuss. So I... Putting a pin on that. Yeah, I'd be cool with exploring the... Well, I mean, I can understand. Like, she she is a very noble person. Um, she's trying to do the right thing. And I think that maybe in her philosophy of things, that if, if she am, amasses all of this wealth, then she would not be servicing those that need help but i would argue that if she does that she would have more influence so this is not i'm not saying that Mm -hmm. she she starts her own government but rather she has more ability in all of her centuries of living money makes the world go round you would think that she would kind of do some of that i mean i understand she would probably have to be like a silent partner and just like like go away for a couple centuries come back and then Go away again. Just adopt a new look. Get a wig. Put on a mustache. But if you're not- I don't know. Just like <laughs> different things where she can't always be like, hey, you look like, well, yeah, you know, we're the same family. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, I, I, I still just think that she, I just think that she just doesn't want to, that she wouldn't yeah. want to try that because. But nobody just, has tried that. Well, she's their leader. So she doesn't <laughs> want them. 
that was just the thought. It's just like, if you've lived, you've seen how things work. I, I, I don't question that as much as you are right now, because I think the characters seem real enough that I just kind of assumed that we just didn't get to watch the movie where they tried all that stuff. Right. Like maybe 600 years ago, because they're fighting in armies with those flat, those brief flashbacks. They're mm-hmm. fighting in armies. Right. So they may have participated a lot more and then kind of realized it didn't work. Granted, that's me doing work that the movie doesn't do. So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I, I guess my the, point is like the, violence would be the last resort. You're right? also talking about people who grew up and lived most of their existence in much more violent eras. Right. Where that would actually be the norm to them. But they are now living in the 21st century where even using a smartphone is no problem at all. No. So understanding right, that's, that, yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of an inconsistency because, I mean, most of the world that they live in now would be kind of new. Like, compared to the Crusades. When, when were the fucking Crusades? Like, more than, like a thousand years ago, yes? They were, they were the years of the Crusades. That's when the Crusades happened. My point is... The number, the amount of time they lived in a relatively peaceful time would be far less than the time that they lived in a much horrible time. Right, right. Um, so if the last 15 minutes of your life, Ted, were extremely peaceful, but the previous five years were really terrible and violent, you wouldn't just be like, oh, life's fine now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. <laughs> the movie just focuses on the wrong things because all of these are great questions to ask yeah i wish the movie focused on that instead of the pharmaceutical plot yeah <laughs> we oh, enter the movie we, we enter the movie with andy being done with this right she doesn't want to do it anymore okay and okay so that i understand but it doesn't come off as well so she's supposed to be like this reluctant kind of like burnt out mm-hmm. hero so i think it would have been better for that to come out more I remember one of the characters saying, this is what we do. We go to save people and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like they're trying to refresh her memory or just kind of reinvigorate her to do the right thing. So to have her more burnt out, I think would have been better. But she's the one to first jump out and say, we have to save uh, Niall. I think having something to where she, do you see what I'm saying? Because she doesn't, she says, she says that she's going to be the one who does it, but she's actually very frustrated in that scene while they're trying to figure out who and where she is, uh-huh. she doesn't really help them. I think she just feels obligated because, because you remember, they have a little bit of a debate. Andy doesn't so much say that she needs to go help. She just volunteers to be the one do, to do it because she knows they're going to do it no matter what. So she just volunteers to be the one. There is never a question whether they will or won't. And I think that scene is acted by Charlize Theron in a way that suggests that she would rather this didn't happen and that she didn't have to do this. She just, ob- I feel like it's just an obligation for Andy, not right, not a gung ho. I'm gonna go save this person. Okay, well, I, I didn't quite feel that obligation because the whole idea, I think, with her character arc is that the whole idea of having family. You reminded me to live. <laughs> <laughs> just giving her this will to live again. Right. Oh, yeah, she's God. dying. She, yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot. With the addition of Niall, that was supposed to kind of bring her in because she's kind of new. She has this caring side to her. This, yeah. um, I, I imagine the arc for, for Andy is to like, she's kind of burnt out with things because she's leading. I never feel like maybe she's just going through the motion. Maybe that's what was supposed to happen. But I never got that impression where she's just like, I'm done with this. I don't care anymore. It's muddied. Like, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's because, in fact, when you brought up that she had a reason to live or whatever, I was like, wait, is that her character arc? But her character arc is also 
her back and forth with Niall, trying of indoctrinating Niall into this life, and then right. eventually her character arc is kind of when she hands Niall the keys to the car and says, "Now, no, go be with your family." Mm-hmm. That doing things the way they've always done them is her. Her she kind of realizes in that moment she doesn't have to do that, but then she does. But then the movie kind of forgets that that character arc happened. Yeah, and then is like, "Here's another character arc," which makes it feel a little muddier. Than it needs to like what is Andy's what yeah it that's the point I wanted to address is that it seems to go off in a few different directions yeah yeah um, and then also with Nile like I can't I don't know how it like how it's interwoven together because usually you know with the two these are the two main characters essentially and how they're supposed to have at least some sort of opposing view well they it do it's just very light. See again, Niles are not always consistent and clear. They're like if like Nile wants to go and be with her family. That should have been like the single driving force for her to get out. But we kind of just for and she doesn't want to. We kind of forget, yeah. And she doesn't want to kill people. Her character arc is I don't need my family and I'll kill everyone. See, that's that's <laughs> my point about the violence. Because of all the all of the good that they want to do, they kill so many people. Granted, Actually, yes, they're coming after I, them. Like, but I don't really have a problem with that with like Andy and Joe and Nikki uh, and Booker. They they're just so old and so like I'm, I it's like they're kind of immune to it at this point I think I think they they once you convince yourself you're doing the right thing which again is something they preach to other people is the wrong mindset but because they're immortal because they've been doing it for so long they think if they murder everyone it's fine and I'm sure they're like dead inside because yeah. the movie even explores See, that a little bit they are dead inside and I, yeah I would but I do like how the character arc for Nile which I didn't put together until you just said it is quite specifically to just become a serial killer and cut herself off from everyone she loves that is the result that we get i guess my family just have to get over me throws my phone into the water she argues against being that way with andy the whole movie and eventually she turns around and says no andy you're right i'm just gonna become a sociopath fuck my family (laughs) that that's the other concern you're making me like the movie less now i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) like it, it is good it's great um i really did enjoy it it's just that when you think about this whole immortality thing, it's a tough it's thing. never it can't be the same type of battle that because usually yeah. the things that are like of that type of conflict where it involves violence, it's usually either the last resort or it's like the initial blowout. But if you've lived around for centuries, you would imagine that there are other means to getting things done with less casualties. And granted, yeah, you may not want to be selfish and it may not be in line with your methods. I think after a few centuries, you could see that the way to avoid it is not just by going into battle and saving the one person when you could save more. Right. And I'm not well, saying again, not in a sort of authoritarian government kind of way, but like you could have more aid, like you can funnel money. Well, over. like you could help the pharmacy guy who you're going to murder his yeah. entire company instead of murdering his entire company, which has been my biggest problem with this plot, yes. which I'll tie it into stuff that you brought in though, because that's it's kind of teased a little bit with Booker. Mm-hmm. Booker kind of betrays them. Because he is also... Burnt out? Yeah. Suffering from a bunch of loss? He identifies the most with Andy, and I think he also is like, we're not getting anywhere, just like Andy feels like we're not getting anywhere. So he's like, well, let's try this. He's not wrong. Um, Right. (laughs) No, no, yeah. I think it feels weaker for Booker because we're we're trying to follow Andy, and as we've said, her character arc is a little muddy. Andy should be the one who betrays them. Andy should be like, yes. no, guys. She should. They should trust her. She. We see that she's kind of half-hearted in all these adventures to get mm-hmm. Nile and stuff like that. And at the end, 
she turns she she hands them into this guy because she's like, no, this is the good we can do. And of course, she learns her lesson and that, yeah, that the way important. he does it and stuff like yeah. that isn't gonna is is not the right way. But I guess see that doesn't line up with the trauma she has for Quinn, the person who got because that's the idea with the with the. With the pharmacy is that they're kept in cages and that's what they don't like. Mm-hmm. But also compare what's happening to them on the lab table where they get a bunch of shots and stuff, which I'm sure is painful. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. And yeah, that wouldn't make sense. What they're comparing it to, which is that Quinn gets buried in a fucking metal box at the bottom of the ocean and drowns mm-hmm. every 30 seconds for 500 years. Oof. And I think it's wanting you to think what the pharmacy guy's doing to them is the same as this. But it's not. It is not nearly as terrible. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Undergoing lab tests and not being able to leave a London sky rise is not the same <laughs> as drowning every five thirty seconds for five hundred years. That's true. That moment that it brought up in the is such an interesting look at like what what are the terrible things that could happen to a mortal person that is fascinating and dark and interesting. And then the, what the movie makes their actual villain is like. Small potatoes compared to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like the antagonist does not, it does not equal in terms of the severity of the, whatever the protagonist is doing. It he just, never stood a chance against them. No, yeah. Never. I mean, the villain of this movie had to be someone like them, someone like the end credits teaser yeah. teases. It had to be someone, because that sounds by interesting. The way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, spoilers I know. always and forever. Fuck, they already know. But yeah. The girl who drowns every three <laughs> seconds for 500 years is back, and she's probably going to be a villain. And that's what that's what I want to see. I want to see these immortals go against another immortal yeah. who's also fucking deranged from 500 years of suffering. <laughs> Which who probably I mean, wants to burn the world down because they treat they did something unspeakable to her. Right. See, I mean, obviously we haven't read the comic, right. so I don't. Yeah, we don't. But just basing know. it on the movie, just just from the events and the characters themselves, this would seem like a more logical trajectory. I look forward to that movie and they probably should have just made that movie first because they have the skill to make a really good movie. Oh yeah. I, I mentioned it in the movie. I think the performances are really good. Charlie's there and it's fucking awesome. Uh, the guys that she's with are really good. I felt less confident about Niall, but I, I did, I am tempering that with wondering if it's just a, if she's just a younger actress. And I the, think, I think the that's talent the in the room. is just unfair to compare her to. <laughs> I would argue that too, yeah. because I will say that in her her, fir- her first death scene, <laughs> that tear that she had like come out um, as she was dying, but and she just, ejaculated. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to avoid that <laughs> word. <laughs> she did it through just acting, right? Mm-hmm. It was great. But I did, I will, I will say, and I will concede that there were a lot of scenes where she seemed more rigid compared to the other uh, actors and actresses that showed a little more nuance. A lot of the dialogue is kind of exposition-y. There are just yep. enough right touches where there's subtlety in the characters. But I also think some of the lines probably if said by... Because you're talking about immortal people. You're talking about living forever. You're talking about things that happened a long time ago. You're talking about healing mag- Wolverine style. Mm-hmm. That you... It would be hard to imagine delivering these lines and not them not being silly. But particularly the four main people who are the immortals, they imbue the scenes with like, this means something to what... Like this bullshit story you're telling me about the Salem witch trials, <laughs> you are imbuing with a certain weight based on the performance you're giving mm-hmm. that really helps this movie kind of cover up the bigger problems that we talked about with character. Because I believe that the characters themselves, 
I didn't question them as much as no. we have now, which I think you're right in most of the ways that in you know we've talked about. Man, the movie's pretty good about making you not think about that too much. Yeah, a little bit of a pet peeve, I suppose, was the explanation of Quinn. I don't know of a better way that doesn't extend the movie uh, unnecessarily, but I know that there is a way to not have to just full-on exposition from everyone, especially for people who weren't even there. Do you know what I'm saying? It would have been a more personal connection if she had seen in her flashbacks and her dreams more of that. Yeah, yeah, It could be something you tease out throughout the length of the film instead of in one scene. Yeah, Um, That's one way. I thought about that, but then I fear that there might be something where it just kind of prolongs it. It loses some of its punch. The case is that there's a lot of explanation in this movie. Um, So character arcs. We've learned that Niall learns to be a sociopath and just forgo her family. Um, Andy. Andy learns how to live just as she starts to die. (laughs) (laughs) Booker learns is that if you tell your friends that you feel lonely, they make you live alone for a hundred years. I was gonna say, <laughs> what a shitty thing! What a way to treat your family member. You're you're concerned about being alone. Well, go fuck yourself up, because we don't want you to be alone around us. <laughs> but it, the thing is, it's like okay, there's three characters that are dealing with loss. There's Copley, there's there's Booker, and of course there's Andy. And in some way, they're supposed to be like a web, but I don't really get. In terms of like nuances not, of each of the same right. type of the, problem. The best version of this movie has each of them deal with loss in a slightly different way that right. gives you a new facet of loss. Yes. But instead, they don't have a strong enough thesis statement, each of the characters' arcs, to make them interplay cleverly because they all just kind of get fuzzy. When they, when they all connect, it's just like a... You can't tell where one ends and the other begins. It's just a fuzzy right. piece. If we were to put it in more normal terms of this family, this mortal family, so Booker would be the emo brother who's complaining about feeling lonely mm-hmm. and he just wants to die, which is why he sells the family, mm-hmm. sells out the family, sells the family. Here you go. I'll take some of your money. Anyway, I mean, he yeah. does. He sells, yeah, he sells out his family. I guess he's not being paid personally, but... Right. Well, I mean, he's subjecting himself to the torture as well, yeah. all to just die, mm-hmm. right? And what does his family do? Uh, you can go fuck off. Right. Right? He, needs, he probably needs help. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> or let him let him work for the pharmaceutical company. Let him give his life for this, because that's what he wants that's to do. That's what he wants, Because yeah. the cause is not a bad cause. It's just the way that guy goes about it. But if So one of comically you, evil. But if one of you wants to do it, then suddenly there's nothing wrong with what that guy does, and there's nothing wrong with it you do. Yeah. It's such a forced... A forced antagonist. That's yeah. the way I feel. Because, yeah, honestly, he you had mentioned this too, and I wholeheartedly agree, that the whole idea of like trying to better humanity, right? Trying to rid disease and other things is not a bad thing. I argued that the reason why they make it seem like he's evil is just the method, you know, where he tries to like, he's really laying it on things like, I never asked this mice, the mice. Right. For permission. And that's kind of... I'm just going to take it. My point is not that those aren't terrible. Also, I think he only says those things. And I, like when he stabs Joe a bunch of times oh instead, of just, instead of just cutting him once. Yeah. It's like the movie knew that it was going to be really hard to hate this antagonist. So they made him do e- evil yeah. to a degree that seems like a cartoon character. Yes. Because they're like, if we don't do this, if this actor doesn't go fucking batshit like a mad scientist every scene then you're, there's no way you're going to be on the side of killing him because mm-hmm. his purpose is so noble, except minor allusions to 
oh, for profit. It's like, yeah, guess what? That's how everything fucking works. So if someone does something for profit that's really fucking great for humanity, it's probably fine. (laughs) Again, you're just hammering my point about how Andy should be big pharma. No, no, I'm not saying she should be a big pharma, but the idea, you know. Yeah, yeah. It would it would make sense for her character to do the most good as opposed to going to one war that's over on this if, side of the world. What if Andy and Booker both what if the family breaks up halfway through the movie? Andy and Booker go to give themselves in and then they realize that the guy's a cartoon villain or he does something different with them. Right. And then the other two have to break him out. But then then the characters breaking the captured characters aren't aren't the main character, aren't Andy. Right. I guess is the problem with that. So if we were to focus but, on one central message, it's about loss and finding a reason to live. Right. So long story short, uh, don't take the things you have for granted. I don't know. Where it's like you have a new addition to kind to of like... To some degree. Yeah. Cause, that, cause if they had a, done it that way, I think it would... A big part of what Andy comes to realize is that she has been doing good. She just didn't have a wide view of it because she, all right. she feels is her constant struggle to do good. Whereas at the end, that's the point of, of Copley um, yeah. and Niall going through that scene where look at all the good she's done. And I think Niall even says, oh, she's been in it. She can't see it. And that's, that's kind of all from Andy's perspective. All she gets is the struggle, but so she doesn't know that she's achieved anything, mm-hmm. but in actuality, if she has, she's yeah. achieved lots of things and the struggle has meant something. All right. Can we take a hot moment and just reflect on Copley printing all of the pictures out, <laughs> just standing by the printer? I mean, yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> he has quite a few bulletin boards full of newspaper clippings f- from as far back as the Civil War. 150 or years, he says, with Charlize Theron's face photoshopped onto. And just like there, there's one picture. I swear. The if the 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 way the body is facing is not in anywhere in any direction toward the camera, but the, her the face faces. is just like plastered and it's looking at the camera. I'm like, nah, that's that's something that's somebody messing up. Trophy shortcut because yeah. you kind of have to be visual about it. The but wall. but yeah. he's a he's a CIA agent. He has he knows what a hard drive is and computers yeah. and stuff. He's not going to print out of all this stuff. And also, Wait. I think he knows. That if he tells someone his theories through this method, through pointing at a giant board of interconnected <laughs> dots, I think he knows that's going to make them not believe him. Right. Because he looks like a fucking <laughs> he crazy looks like person. like a fucking loon. <laughs> it, I, I think all CIA agents, based on movie tropes, is that they all have a board that they can personally use for whatever pet project that they have. <laughs> I do really, really like at the very end when they come out, the whole group is fighting together. They move so fluidly and so interconnectedly. And I like how they use themselves as body... Shields Shields. again for uh, Mm -hmm. Andy. It looks like the actors spent a lot of time probably choreographing that. If they're stunt people, they do a really good job of hiding the fact that they're ever stunt people. Mm -hmm. It made you feel like these people have worked together for hundreds of years because they are so clean and smooth about the way they do it. And it's like tactically thought out that if you're going to go through this building with a bunch of security, this is probably how you would maneuver yourself. They're always watching every angle. Part of why five of them kind of need to exist work together. so well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really cool. I think story wise, if they had kind of explored more of Joe and Nikki and kind of uh, extended that into the fit, well, not romantically, but extended that sort of love and like belonging to the family somehow, like they're supposed to be like the opposite, they're like the good example, the of good example, who, yeah. yeah. And 
I, I think there was something there. I can't say what right now because I have no idea, but I think that would have been a good... You use the fact that they're well-adjusted people to be like, I'm so sorry you felt that way. Yeah. Like, we should <laughs> fix this because we don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Character Arc podcast. But for now, you can find us at Character Arc and Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at characterarc.net. Um, please like and subscribe wherever you can Uh, rate us wherever you can we're on all the podcasting networks I'm Richard and I'm Ted smash that like button five star baby